0: You're listening to RootLock Radio. Hello and welcome to RootLock Radio, a podcast for uncloaking, learning, and exploring the tarot cards. My name is Weston. I live in New York City and I'm your host. The beacon card for today's episode, which is released on March 12th, 2020, is The Wheel of Fortune. And I plan to channel that into answering some listener questions. So a little bit surrendering to what I can't control by asking you to give some material to the podcast. But before we get into it, I want to give one little correction from a couple of weeks ago, Season 3 Episode 2, in which I focused on the card strength. I said that the lion in The Wizard of Oz was missing a heart, but the Tin Man was actually missing the heart and the lion was missing courage. So even though I really liked what I said about it, uh, you can kind of disregard it because it's not true. And I'm trying to draw a little bit of strength here to admit that I was wrong. and. And maybe get a little bit defensive here in pointing out that it's a little confusing, right? That the Scarecrow was missing a brain, and the Tin Man was missing a heart, but the Lion was missing courage. So two out of three are missing organs, and one is missing a trait. But anyway, I just wanted to acknowledge my mistake and, you know, let you know that I know that I was wrong when I said it that way. I want to give a quick shout out or recommendation as well to a new tarot book that I was lucky enough to receive an early copy of, and the book is called Truly Easy Tarot, Simple Readings and Practical Teachings by Mantis. I think this is a really great resource, especially if you're new to tarot. I like that Mantis's style is using what he calls guideposts to teaching tarot, meaning he gives you some great interpretations. To help provide a foundation to learning tarot but he also encourages you to build on that foundation in a way that feels right for you. Does that sound familiar? I think Mantis and I have a really similar approach to teaching tarot and so if you like my approach you may want to consider getting a copy of his book as well and especially if you're really in your early phases of learning I think it's a great resource. Um, so again, it's called Truly Easy Tarot by Mantis. It's available now as an ebook format on Amazon.com. The printed version will be available on March 24th, and you can give that a pre-order if you want. So again, it's Truly Easy Tarot by Mantis. Mantis is also designing a really beautiful oracle deck called the Oracle of the Desert. So you may want to follow him on Instagram as well to see what he's up to. I'll put a link in the show notes to his Instagram and the book. Other than that, things are pretty good on my end. And so today's episode, I'm going to be channeling the Beacon Card of Wheel of Fortune by taking listener questions and addressing questions related to reading for clients professionally and specifically any challenges that you can run into when you are working professionally or reading for clients in that capacity. So thank you so much for listening and I hope you enjoy this episode of Root Lock Radio. gotten a lot of people asking me to do an episode on reading professionally, which is understandable. Going professional as a tarot reader can be terrifying, and there are a lot of unknowns. That said, I have really found myself resistant to talking about how to build a tarot business. And after some exploration of this, I realized that I just don't really want to want to or know how to answer those questions, at least for now. In no way do I consider myself like a really good business consultant. Uh, i It's a part of my tarot practice that I'm really learning as I go, so I, I never know how to answer those questions. And so my answer for things like how to charge for readings, or how to set up a website, or how to set up your business, I say find other resources or follow your intuition. And that's about all I can say about that. But what I do really like is helping people with questions about working with clients. As many of you may know, I also work as a psychotherapist, and I find human interactions and working relationships, especially when there's something like emotions or you know life issues involved, really interesting. And I do think that I have some good insights about this. So today I am answering listener questions about working with clients. Now, if you find this useful and you want more, please let me know. I would be happy to find a way to cover more of this, probably in some kind of online course or webinar or something like that. I could take this deeper if there's a need. And I also want to acknowledge before I start that I received more questions than I could answer in one episode. So if I don't answer your question, please know that does not mean it was a bad question. I tried to select a variety of questions that I thought would cover an array of, of topics. And I also selected the questions that most closely aligned with the topic of reading for clients. Some of the questions seemed a little more general or sort of more about reading interpretations. And so I put those questions aside for now. And I, I do promise I will do more general Q and A's in the future. So if you're one of those people whose question did not get answered, please keep an eye out for that. I promise there will be more opportunities. And regardless, if your question does not get answered, I am truly sorry to leave it out. I loved all the questions I got, and I thank you so much for participating. It's pretty amazing to me how much response I get when I reach out to you, so thank you. So the first question I got was from Richard. And Richard asked, what can you do when cards in the reading don't really resonate with the person you are reading for. For example, I recently had a friend who received the world card in the you now position, while she is not particularly feeling any aspects of the world card what the world card represents. I understand that sometimes when reading for myself, it takes some time to dig a bit deeper and figure out what my connection to the card is. But in the moment of a reading, how can you communicate that seemingly tenuous connection between the card and the person you are doing your reading for? Thanks again, Richard, for sending this in. And to me, this is a great moment to be curious. So what does that person feel or think when you describe that world card to them? What comes up for them that makes them think, nah, that's definitely not me right now? I would just try to stay grounded and find out what this person thinks, because when someone says, I don't know if that card really resonates me with me, that can be a really anxiety-provoking moment, right? Of like, oh, I'm doing this wrong. But just trying to stay grounded and curious. What happens next really depends on what they say. So when someone says this card definitely doesn't resume, resonate with me, it may be a time where I'd want to say, I think the card is trying to bring you something that you need right now. With a card like The World, to me, that would be integration of all these lessons and growth that the person has been through over their life journey. So maybe encouraging them to spend some time with you or after the reading, contemplating how that card could be bringing them some important help at that time of their lives. Sometimes we don't connect to a card because it's exactly the card that we need. And that can be the message, is that it's it's sort of coming to say, hey, this is what you need right now. Another thing that could happen th- through our curiosity is that the person could begin to see that they do connect with the card. So sometimes slowing down and really looking at the card can help. So that can be something like having the client look at the card and tell you what they notice in it. So if they see any like images or interpretations of their own that could be some important information then drawing on what they point out so like with the world maybe the person says well i see this person floating in the air and they look really free and you can say well what's it like for you to see that right now and they might say i don't feel free at all and you could say well maybe this card is here to help you find that freedom Maybe that's just what you need right now and this card is here to tell you how to access it if you try. And with a card like the world, that could be looking back at past experiences and what you've learned and really kind of beginning to integrate these lessons. So like most moments in tarot, this is a time to stay grounded first and foremost try not to let your insecurities get in the way and just stay with the person and draw on your own intuition about how to handle the challenge that is arising. You may do this differently from me, but this is maybe giving you a taste of my style, which you are welcome to emulate if you like. Next, I'm going to answer two similar questions together, so I'm going to read them both and then I'll give my answer. So the first one, Comes from My Name is Holly on Instagram, and this is what they wrote. Advice on how to protect and uphold boundaries would be good, as I find clients can blur the lines as it's a non traditional business, and also how they can often treat Instagram like an open door with expectations of 24 7 or too frequent personal access. I have also had instances of my logos and words being closely copied and pasted, so any advice on those topics would be greatly appreciated. Thank you again, season three is great. Thank you, my name is Holly. And the other kind of similar question comes from Mr. Moss on Instagram, and they wrote... What do you do to set up energetic boundaries between you and clients? Like, how do you keep from absorbing all their stuff? I'm a massage therapist, so I feel like with working people, with people physically, I sometimes take their tension areas in my own body. I've only just begun reading for other people, but I imagine I'll run into some of the same obstacles. Do you have tools, rituals, mindsets? Thank you, Mr. Moss. So... These are great questions and such an important consideration of, like, how do you protect yourself, right? Whenever you are working with others in a healing capacity, whether massage therapy or psychotherapy like I do, or tarot, then you are going to be exposing yourself to others' energies. Now, I know some people may not really believe in energy as we talk about it in this sort of, like, woo, new agey way, But I want to say that there, that is not really what I'm referring to here. We actually have what neuroscientists call mirror neurons in our nervous systems that essentially prompt our bodies to also feel what another person is feeling. It's an evolutionary adaptation that creates empathy and helps us to stick together and tend to the people in our group that are going through something. Since humans depend on others to survive, this is super important. Now, in this day and age, we are kind of disconnected from this idea of depending on others to survive, right? But that is mostly because of all the ways that we depend on each other have been sort of commercialized. So the ways that we would have depended on each other in primitive times are now sort of businesses, right? So there's like this emotional disconnection, but it's still there. like. We pay for food, but someone does produce and harvest that food for us. We pay for shelter, but someone did build that house or apartment building. In more prim- primitive times, primitive human times, you would have had a personal connection with the person who did this. That's not so much the case anymore, but this idea that we depend on others to survive is built into our nervous systems and our bodies in a lot of different ways, and the mirror neurons are one of them. So, okay. What this means is that when you are intentionally sitting with someone in something like a tarot reading, you're definitely exposing yourself to possibly having stuff come up that you then end up feeling in your body, in your nervous system. Now, what being a therapist has taught me about this is that I think it's really helpful, and in tarot too, is is to do this. When you are with the person, just let it happen. Stay grounded let yourself feel whatever you feel and use that as a source of information so of course you'll need to find ways to stay grounded and practicing this is really important and it could take some practice but when you're feeling these response to your clients feelings it's good information that can probably help you in your tarot reading so during the reading i'm thinking like a groundedness but an energetic openness to just taking it in, and being present with what's happening. But obviously you don't want to do this forever, right? So your two-pronged strategy for how to make this manageable for yourself is this, boundaries and self-care. So by boundaries, I mean literal boundaries. End the reading when it's time to end, and make sure the person knows how long they have you for. Maybe even give them a heads up when you're winding down by saying something like, We have about 10 more minutes to reflect on this, and then we're going to have to end. For a lot of people, this simple way of just stating we're ending can be really hard, right? But with practice, it gets a lot easier. Another boundary is limiting communication about the reading after the fact. So if someone wants to talk to you about the reading outside of the time they have paid for, if they want to follow up somehow, you can offer that at a charge if you want. Now, this isn't completely about money. And I know for a lot of people that might feel kind of icky, right? Just making it about money. But it's not all about that. Part of it is about the money, right? And putting value on the time and the skill that you have. But another part of it is creating a barrier to access you, right? So you can protect yourself from endless conversations about a reading. Lots of people will take more if they can, And they'll even try to pull it out of you. But if you have really clear boundaries for yourself and you have them set up beforehand, then you kind of have a roadmap of how to handle these situations as they come up. And you can even create like email templates or responses for how you'll respond when someone asks for a follow-up or for your time or something like that. So for example, I recently started receiving a volume of questions on Instagram and over email that was too much for me, and I had to change my approach. So I used to just answer every question I got because I wanted to, and I was really excited that people were engaging with me. But the volume has increased, and also things in my life have changed, and that's not really working for me anymore. So now I have created a response that I send to people when they want advice on Instagram or email, in which I simply explain that I cannot answer questions like that and tell them how they can get their question answered, which is by waiting for a Q&A episode like this or joining the Discord discussion forum. And again, this is new for me, but what I did is I paid attention to my feelings as an indicator of when I needed to change my boundary. This is helpful because I also don't want to be resenting people who enjoy the podcast or my Instagram or anything else I have to offer. People asking me questions often don't realize they are crossing a line and that's the thing about boundaries is you have to set them and you can't expect other people to automatically know where they are. But usually if you do a quick, clear, and compassionate boundary setting, the other person will respond well. And if they don't, it says a whole lot more about them than it does about you. So boundaries. And consider it especially around your time. Because the more time you spend with someone, the more it takes from you, right? So time is sort of linked to your energy. And it is more, you're more likely to feel resentful and feel bogged down by that person's energy if you just keep giving. So it's important even when money isn't involved, like if you're giving a free reading, to really think about your time. And if money is involved, that can be an extra tool that you can use to sort of structure time, like you paid for this much, or you can pay for more if you want. And the other strategy is self-care. And this is just being aware that you are going to take stuff on and that you'll need to quite literally flush it out of your nervous system. So after a reading or a whole day of readings, you may want to spend some time breathing and visualizing yourself releasing that energy. Or after a day of readings, you may need to take a bath or stretch or go for a run or or do whatever it is that helps you to feel some sort of energetic release or reset. And if you don't know what gives you an energetic release, then you should find something. Don't be a professional tarot reader without having a self-care routine that you know works for you. And I think that's really important advice right there. The next question comes from Maxwell of the Nomadic Hermit Tarot. And Maxwell wrote, "'So I did a reading the other day "'and I got really got the sense that this girl "'was going to have a breakup with her current boyfriend. I didn't directly say it, but I gave clues that she was going to need to do a lot by herself. So in this situation, what is the best way to address a breakup or that emotional turmoil that you see coming for someone? Are you direct with it or do you give advice on how to best handle the pain coming? Thanks for your question, Maxwell. So the way I work with tarot, I don't see things like inevitable breakups. I really don't like to predict the future in specific terms, so I would probably err on the side of not saying specifics, just like you did. I don't know the specifics of this reading, but I can imagine there was some kind of challenging card in the future position of a relationship reading. Now, for me, I would probably say that the future card indicates a challenge and indicate what kind of challenge that is based on what card it is, and then ask the client what they think that means. Then I would have them on board in the reading, right? Because they're kind of indicating based on what they know right now, what they think that might mean. But even if it was a card like the tower, I wouldn't necessarily say that this is an inevitable breakup. Plenty of people endure tower periods in relationships, and continue the relationship, often in a much healthier way. So I would probably be talking about ways to handle an upcoming challenging time, as you suggest, instead of saying that pain or breakup is coming. Because what if that doesn't happen, right? Then that person has kind of lost faith in my tarot skills. So I guess the two main points here are that with my particular style, I would use this as an opportunity to talk to the person about what they are feeling and experiencing right now and see what comes up for them when they look ahead. And I would focus on coping skills and guidance that the card has to offer rather than a prediction of something like a breakup. I believe all the cards are here to guide us. All of the cards have messages that can help you move forward effectively. And so really kind of focusing on that when what you see ahead is challenging. That said, your reading style may be more predictive, and if it is, that's great. That's your style. I'd maybe suggest letting your intuition guide you on that. And so if you feel that the person with you can handle this news, then go for it. But if it feels that they are going to be upset with you or not going to hear it or take it in, if they aren't ready for what you have to say, then you can do what I would call slice it thinner. And maybe say that you see challenges ahead or ask if there's anything going on in the relationship now that feels unstable or unsustainable. If I were doing predictive readings like this, I would probably try to gauge how well the person could handle my prediction, then try to deliver it in a way that they can handle at that time. And again, the idea of like slicing it thinner, how can you say it in a way that maybe suggests it or gets at it a little bit without saying it so directly? And maybe that will get their wheels kind of turning towards, okay, if I am gonna break up with this person, what do I need to, to do to make that tolerable for myself? So let's take a quick break and I will be right back with some more questions. Radio is kept commercial free by the generous support of the podcast listeners. If you'd like to support Rootlock Radio, consider joining the Patreon group. A monthly donation of $5 or more gives you access to a private Discord discussion forum where Rootlock Radio listeners and I discuss tarot and answer each other's questions. You also receive bonus materials related to content from the podcast. To donate and join, see the link in the show notes. You can also support me by booking a year-ahead birthday tarot reading for yourself or a friend, or by purchasing the Season 1 Companion Guide PDF or the Rootlock Tarot Book of Spreads PDF. All of these goods and services can be found on my website, rootlocktarot.com. Another great way to support the podcast is by subscribing, giving a 5-star rating on iTunes, and writing a review. This is the best way for more people to discover Rootlock Radio. And of course, follow me on Instagram at Tarot and sign up for my email newsletter to stay in the loop about future opportunities to engage with me. Regardless of how you choose to support Relock Radio, thank you so much for listening. The next question comes from Sarah. And Sarah wrote, It seems like clients get a little offended or disappointed when asked to reframe a question. What is a good way to do this to minimize those feelings? So this is definitely a moment where I'd say the skill of softening a person's defenses is important. When someone corrects or changes something you have to say, for many people this can bring out insecurities. So if someone was ever called stupid, or if they ever struggled in school, or any other number of situations, then the moment of you asking them to change their question could feel kind of threatening, and understandably so, right? So first off, I'd really find a kind and compassionate way to let them know that they are going to need to reframe their question and that this can take some acknowledgement that this is a very normal part of the process as well as an explanation to them of why the question will work better if it is reframed. So normalizing and explaining. So maybe acknowledge the parts of the question that work. Tell the person that often you have to work with clients to get the question to fit your reading style. So kind of making it about you, like this is how I read. And in doing that, you are making it not so much about them and some inadequacy that they might feel. Other tarot readers might be fine with their question as it is, right? So think about it as whether or not it fits your style. And the real issue that should be communicated to them is that it just doesn't fit, and not that they did it wrong. So how about an example? If someone came in and said, I want to know if I'm going to get the job I really want, I would want to rework this question because it is more predictive than I like to be, and too binary. As you may know, I don't really like yes or no in my tarot readings. So I may say something like, Okay, so I hear that you want a reading about this job that you really want. That's great. Now, let me tell you a little bit about how I use tarot. I work with tarot as a tool to help you find your best path forward, but I don't do readings that predict whether or not something specific is going to happen. I know this can be disappointing because tarot is often viewed as a future-telling thing, but I actually think it's a lot more useful. So I'd say that and then I'd see what they have to say about that, if they hate it, then I'd maybe say, well maybe I'm not the right tarot reader for you. And if they're into it, or at least open to it, then I'd say, okay, let's see if we can rework your question to make sure I can give you a good reading. How about, what can I focus on to be on the right path with work? Does that sound like a reading you'd want? I'd want to make sure that they feel like they have some control, even if their expectations are needing to change. Usually this goes really well if you take the time to explain and are careful to stay away from anything that might feel shaming. And make sure they have some agency in how the question is changed. Next I'm going to pair up two questions again that have kind of a similar answer. So on Instagram, Tarot Readings by Sharon Pink wrote, How to navigate people trying to sway the message of the reading. And then on Instagram, Moonrise Mystics wrote, Hey Weston, I have a question for your upcoming episode. How do you deal with clients that you feel aren't being honest? So I'm realizing as I start to answer this that it may be helpful to have an example from both of you of a time this has happened. But since I don't have that, I'm just going to try to answer it with what I've got. So my thought on this is that you have to meet the person where they're at. So... Whether they're trying to sway the reading or whether you feel like they're not being totally honest with you, there's probably a good reason for that. And I would say they probably aren't at a place where they can handle or take in what the reading has to say, especially if they're trying to sway it, right? And I'd be really curious about that. This seems like a good moment to focus on the client and see what is happening for them. Now, another possibility, at least for me, is this could be an important correction in my reading. If the client is telling me that the reading is not going in a direction that resonates with them, then to me this feels like important information, and I'd want to ask what parts feel off and why. As a reader, I am always open to the possibility that I am wrong. Everyone's wrong sometimes, so why not me? The client could direct me to something that I am not aware of that feels more aligned with what the reading is saying, And if that's the case, then we can only win by going there. Personally, I try to stay away from any version of thinking I am the expert here. The way I like to think of it is I am the interpreter, and I speak the language of the tarot. But the reading is a conversation between the client and the cards, and I'm the person interpreting or translating. So if the person getting the reading is having some sort of issue or it's not working for them, then maybe I am missing the message. And I would say something similar to that client who you feel is not being honest. There are so many possibilities of what that could mean. Maybe the person is intentionally lying to you, but maybe they are experiencing some feelings of shame or embarrassment, and they don't feel comfortable telling the truth. Remember that this person is probably here because they want your help, right? It is unlikely that they are just trying to deceive you and if they are then they're really only hurting themselves right so lying or dishonesty is often a defense used to stay away from a painful thought or unbearable emotion. and so i would suggest taking a very compassionate stance and just exploring what is happening for that person and trying to understand it through curiosity so oftentimes if if you're curious and compassionate defenses soften or they'll just kind of melt away on their own and you'll get to the real heart of the matter. And if it doesn't go away, just honor that it's probably there to protect that person from something that has happened in their past, and you can still proceed. And even if you feel like they are being dishonest with you in some way, they may still on some level take in what you say in the reading. Again, this is kind of specific to the type of reader you are, and I just want to acknowledge that I tend to be more of a guidance-focused and therapeutic type of tarot reader, and so I would see someone trying to sway the reading or being dishonest with me as important information and something that I want to tread lightly toward rather than kind of feeling offended or in some way feeling like I need to change that. It's probably there for a reason. The next question comes from Lori Ann in Brooklyn, and Lori Ann wrote, Hi there, Weston, I'm glad you're back. I have a nagging question, and that is how often I use the word maybe when reading for a person. I ask this because I find myself vacillating during readings out of fear of landing on the wrong interpretation. It's my way of limiting my own responsibility, perhaps. Either way, I think it leaves both the querent and myself feeling lacking confidence in the outcome of the reading. Do I drop the maybe and land on one interpretation without apology, or do I leave in the maybe and continue this fickle-feeling tarot reading? Where's the balance? Many thanks, see you in the podcast. This is a great question, Lorianne, and I would invite you to honor the maybe. To me, this says that you are staying open to the person's response, and it is more of a collaboration with your tarot client than a situation where you are presenting yourself as the keeper of knowledge or having some expertise over that client. Without the client's knowledge of their own life, what would the tarot reading be? So I think your intuition is right here in keeping away from a concrete interpretation or prediction without first getting confirmation from the client that it is landing with them. Now, a part that sticks out to me in your question is your own feelings of insecurity about possibly landing on the wrong interpretation. This may be where you need to focus your work. What would it mean for you to be wrong? What would be painful about that for you? What's the worst thing that could happen if you were wrong in a tarot reading? This is the kind of self-inquiry you may want to engage in to better understand that discomfort for yourself. And of course, I do think there is a lot of value in being grounded, present, and confident when you are giving a tarot reading. Your client is probably looking to you for stability, especially if the reading is about something that is difficult for them. So yes, I do think finding a way to feel good about your style of reading can also help you to present yourself confidently so that your client feels confident in you and it feels very useful to them. But that doesn't necessarily mean eliminating the maybes. It might mean finding a way to own the maybes. So, for example, you could explain to your client before reading for them that you are going to use a collaborative style of tarot reading, you will probably ask them questions, and you may go through a few possible interpretations of a card until you land on one that resonates with them. You can explain that you do this not because you doubt yourself, but because you want to make sure you're getting the right reading. And sometimes it takes a little back and forth to get on the right path. And you could also explain, again, that role of you as the interpreter or translator in this situation rather than the expert or the psychic. Now one other suggestion would be to try to slow this process down, I would suggest when you are presenting possible interpretations is to start with the one that you intuitively feels makes the most sense, and then ask your client, does this resonate with you? And if they say yes, then great, and ask for more information by saying, how so, or tell me more. And if you ask, does this resonate with you, and they say no, then great, same thing, ask for more information by asking them how so, or tell me more. Then, based on what they say, see what you, if you can land on an interpretation that fits better. So I think the overall skill here, and this is, I think, important across Sarah readings, is to stay grounded and in, to investigate your own feelings about the maybes and to give an explanation to your client of why you sometimes offer multiple interpretations before getting it right and just normalizing that. And then slowing down this process so you can collaborate with the client on the interpretation, and you are taking into account what they are experiencing. But essentially there's nothing wrong with maybes. It's, again, I think your intuition telling you, I don't want to close a door on something that might come up for the client in the reading that's really true for them. So being a tarot reader isn't necessarily about knowing all the answers. You're coming with a certain knowledge and skill set around looking at tarot cards and laying them out and doing these readings, and that's something that they don't necessarily have. But that doesn't, in my style, mean that I need to be the expert of everything and I need to know exactly what every card means in every reading. I might need to collaborate with the person in order to get there. So that's it for today, and I hope you have found some useful tips for how to work with clients in professional tarot readings, or even just tips for reading for others, even if they're just your loved ones or your friends. As I always say, there are no rules in tarot. That said, considering how you are taking care of yourself And things like boundaries and self-care, how you work to stay grounded, the ways you can boost your confidence by owning your particular tarot style, these are all things that can go a long way in making an experience better for your client, but also for you. So thank you so much for listening, and I'll talk to you next week. Bye. Rulock Radio is a podcast for uncloaking, learning, and exploring the tarot cards. It is written and produced by me, Weston. Music for the podcast is provided by Doa, Davis and Jure. You can find links for both of these incredible artists in the show notes. To support the podcast, consider joining the Patreon community. And if you love Rulock Radio, don't forget to subscribe, leave a five-star rating, and write a kind review. To learn more about me and the tarot goods and services I have to offer, please visit my website, RootlockTarot.com. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you'll join me next time for Rootlock Radio.